0: I know it's been a minute, but we're here. Welcome to Hello Latino. It's your girl, Dalis Jasmine. And oof, I already know today's episode is going to have each of you inspired and ready to create and follow those dreams. Today we have the one and only Kathy Murillo, aka Crafty Chica. And if y'all don't know, she's a big deal. She used to be a newspaper columnist and is now a full-time entrepreneur, which has led to multiple product lines and collabs with national brands she's authored several craft books and novels and most recently forever frida a celebration of life art loves words and the style of frida Kaulo. she's been featured in forbes The new york times buzzfeed y pues Ahora, hello latina and you can visit kathy if you're in phoenix in her co-owned art boutique mucho mas art studio there's so much more I could say to gas her up, but I just want y'all to jump into this conversation and listen to Kathy and her story. Gabby's So excited to have you here. I have seen you in a few different places. I think you are so poppin' in the Latino community. And I've seen oh you in gosh, a few places. Thank you. Kathy <laughs> Chica. I mean, who doesn't know about you? Um, and I've actually oh, seen a thank you. Of course. And I've actually seen a tweet with um, Eliana Murillo,
1: who posted about you and she said, like,
0: twins.
1: (laughs) Yes, we always call each other primas, even though we're not technically related. We have the same last name. So we're like, that's close enough.
0: That's close enough. And honestly, that's the Latino way, right? We're just like, everyone's
1: a primo, prima,
0: hermano, hermana. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'm I'm so excited to have you on. Honestly, I've been looking forward to this conversation and I want to get to know everything about who you are and how you started to create Crafty Chica and then we'll talk a little bit about Crafty Chica as well and all the amazing things that you do on that side. Wonderful. Let's start with your story. How do you let's start with the first question which is uh-huh. how do you identify
1: and why? Well, I like to say third generation Mexican American. Because I love the story of my great grandparents. And I feel so connected through them because of what they love to do. I feel I am in that same range. And so I but when it comes down to like my business and branding and all of that, I'll say Latina artist so that it relays quickly who I am and, and what I do.
0: Oh, okay. Well, let me pause here and tell you. One thing I love about Mexican culture is this pride that gets passed down generation through generation through generation, your third generation, right? But still that pride in Mexico Mm -hmm. and and being Mexican-American is so like heavy. And I'm like, that's what I want my generations to feel when they think about being Honduran, right? Like I want them to be like, I'm fourth generation Honduran and be like proud of that. So that's one thing I I love about Mexican culture is that pride in the culture, generations, right? Like generationally. So
1: exactly. I don't know if that's a word, and, and, but know, I'll make it a I word. I never really like I hadn't fully connected with like the third generation. It was just like a term, like oh, third generation Mexican. But when I learned the story of my great grandparents, it it made it so much more meaningful to where. I just, I felt so connected in it and it really encouraged me to tell my story because I, God willing, will be someone's great grandmother and they (laughs) will know my story so that they can share it and continue it. So that's why I love what you're doing, what all of us are doing, sharing our stories of what's happening right now, because these are, things that are going to last through other generations so they can know about us and, and help them in their journey in the future. Uh, a thousand percent. And
0: since you're talking about your grandparents' uh, journey, talk about the immigration story or talk about that story that you're, you're alluding to. Tell us tell us about the, the little yes, cheese well, made there.
1: <laughs> I, so my mom's side of the family, I don't know as well. I know um, my grandfather was from Sonora. However, on my dad's side of the family, the Kano family, the Ortegas, my uh, Nana Kano, her, her maiden name was Ortega, her dad, they're from Sonora also, and they managed a farm in a, a ranch, I should say. But their side hustle was a blanket business where they made and sold woven blankets. And wow. my grandmother, she was a master seamstress. She could make or bake or cook anything. And she passed that on to my father, who was also like a, a maker, a tinker, like he he would just he everything from resin to jewelry making to making cars he he won different awards back in the 1950s um this little mexican boy from south phoenix that he won this award to go to chicago for the ford motor company like and when he settled down and got married to my mom he set that aside to become a civil engineer you know to raise the family however I love, look at me, Crafty Chica, where I feel like I'm carrying on right? that legacy from my great-grandparents who had like two or three different jobs, like my grandmother, like my dad. And then on my um, my the side, his parents, they were from Zacatecas and they came over to the United States in 1910 because my great-grandmother was pregnant and my great-grandfather wanted a place of safety away from the Mexican Revolution. And Mm -hmm. so they crossed the Rio Grande. They ended up in, um, you know, went all through uh, Bisbee, Arizona until they ended up in Arizona. And it's so wild because that son that she was pregnant with, he ended up joining the revolution and that's where he died, like within the revolution, like years later. So it's just I love these stories. It just adds so much, so much life and heritage to the things that I'm doing now. It, it, I feel like it fuels me, and and I encourage everyone: talk to your parents, your grandparents, your aunts and your uncles. All of these stories I learned through family funerals. Like we had a tough year losing family members but it brought everyone together to tell these stories and wow. so I encourage everyone have these conversations
0: uh, and I was just going to ask you when did you start asking those questions right and I think that was such a powerful thing for me too to ask my parents their story to learn about mm-hmm. mi abuelito because I didn't get to meet them when did you start to ask those questions was it just in the funeral setting were you curious were you learning more after what's the story
1: well in- it wasn't necessarily in the funeral setting. So this is the trick. There's always <laughs> one or two key elders in your family who have, they have all the chisme. They know all everything. The chisme. So you have to find them and then go over to their house, sit down with them. For me, it was my uncle Joe and he kept notes on everything. And he made tamales along with my dad. So I would go over to my Uncle Joe's to taste his tamales, and then he would tell me these stories. And, and sometimes just even on holidays or just random times that we would visit, he would just start talking. And sometimes he would let me record the story. Sometimes he wouldn't. <laughs> But it, it just, you just have to take that time and make the effort and ask questions. But like I said, there's some family members that they won't go into detail, but there's always one or two that are just juicy and ready to share the good oh, stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> make the effort to reach out to everyone, to find them, and spend that one on one quality time with them. Oh, I I'm gonna
0: jump all over the place here because I usually have uh, like a cer- certain amount of questions that I asked the beginning but I want to segue into let's talk about g- g- uh, your crappy chica business because uh-huh. what I assume happened was that you were working on this prior to knowing the stories and then knowing the stories made you fall in love with what you were doing even more so I want to connect the dots for the audience so talk to us a little bit about Crappy Chica, where it bloomed from, what was the story behind yes. creating the platform or creating your business? Well
1: I have just always been a hyper-creative chica <laughs> from grade yes, school girl. <laughs> on. <laughs> I love to write stories. Judy Bloom, like everyone else in, in that era, just reading these books and wanting to write my own stories, read them out loud to the class, a journalism, high school yearbook, all of that. My dream job was to work at the Arizona Republic as a features reporter. I wanted to interview celebrities. And when my husband and I got married, he's a musician and an artist, and I'm a writer and an artist, we knew we would have to craft a life of art, music, and writing. And we, 32 years married, we have stayed true to that. A lot oh. of bumps in the road with our business because we, we decided to go into making our art and crafts, and we ended up with 300 retail accounts. And we could not physically keep up with making these. And that was a lesson because it really stripped us of the meaning and the purpose because we just became machines like cranking out, you know, Mm lottery magnets by the dozen. And that isn't what we want it to be. So I stopped that and I thought, you know what, that dream about working at the newspaper, let's try that. And I ended up getting a job at the Arizona Republic and working my way into being a features reporter and wow. the whole time interviewing celebrities everyone from the rock to jlo to jake Gyllenhaal, like it was an amazing experience but it did not pay very well at all and mm-hmm. i realized that i wanted to be the person who was going to be interviewed I wanted to be on the, after doing so many interviews and writing all of these stories about other people. And this whole time I still had my craft business. And at one point um, I was on this crafty message board and everyone has their handles and I chose Crafty Chica. And I, I was at work writing a movie review on deadline and I just knew I had to buy the URL. So I quickly bought the URL and that weekend I built, I learned how to build my own website. And this was oh my 2000, God. the year 2000. <laughs> and, wow. Yeah. And you know what? I just kept working on that at nighttime and, you know, wanting to write a novel, I decided to work on that as well. I just decided to take this list of, of dreams and goals and put them into action. And you know, what's crazy when you take action on your dreams, they can really happen. And I just reached a point in 2007 where I had the opportunity to leave the newspaper to do Crafty Chica full time. And at that time, it was, it was heard of, like there was no money in blogging at that time. And this was like the MySpace days. I think Facebook had right. barely come out and my parents, they were so proud that I was working, that I had my picture in the newspaper every day with my columns and they're like, why mm. are you going to leave the newspaper for glue and glitter? <laughs> but I just yeah. felt it, you yeah. know, when you have that. Burning passion, and you just know this is what you're meant to do. It was the scariest decision. But by making that decision, I ended up doubling my income. I ended up launching this mini empire of books and workshops and products and my blog and, and speaking engagements. So I knew that that was the passion behind it. And my dad, he was always the first one to my events, the first one there. And It wasn't until after he passed away that I really learned the depth of his passion for making things. And he was just so quiet and strong and such a hard worker that I never took the, we didn't connect the dots. He connected the dots to me and he could see me, you know, him in me with the things I was doing. And that's why he was so supportive. But it wasn't until after he died. That I learned about all the things that he used to make and sell and share. So now it gives me even more. Now I design fabric. I have a picture of my Nana Kano. She was a master seamstress. So I'm like, I'm doing it for the family, Nana. Oh, <laughs> So yes, oh. I feel like it's all... I carry their legacy with me with everything I do. And and I feel their energy, their spirit so strong. And it makes me feel really proud to carry it on. Uh, you are so amazing, first of all. Uh, the oh,
0: way that you, you tell your story with a smile on your face. And you, I can't help but smile when I when I hear you, when I see you. And it's just a testament to that joy that you almost have from for yourself but you channel it from your ancestors i could tell like you channel it from you. your nana from your dad from these stories that you learn and i think you know I, I always say it on these episodes but we talk a lot about generational trauma but there's also generational joy right yes, that we can bring yes. and that we can channel and that we can own and i feel like you embody that you embody the generational joy that i'm like oh, yes like it's so yes, it's so great to i, see. I feel
1: like- that's what our elders or anyone who is passed on, they want us to remember those good points about them, they, the stories, the lessons, yeah. all of that. Um, yes, you know, being sad that they're not here anymore, that is a big part of it. But i I've come to realize that being sad, it's okay to be sad, to work through it, to embrace it, but i work through it because i feel like when i when i spend my time being sad about them not being here it dims my light and i go inward i go into like a space of darkness whereas if i you know work through the sadness and push it out it's spreading their light it's spreading my light and that's ultimately ultimately what they want is to be remembered in their stories to be told. So I, that's why I love soaking up. Even my Nana Kano, she had told me a story. My Aunt Mitzi told me a story how... Um, She used to want a new dress every Friday night for the dance. So her and my Nana Kano, they would take the bus to Saks Fifth Avenue and my Aunt Mitzi would get several dresses. They'd go in the dressing room and they'd hang them up and my Nana would sketch out a dress and then come home and make the dress. So my Aunt Mitzi had this fly dress on Friday night. So I worked that story into one of my novels. And I was able to, oh. to tell their story through the characters in the book. And and I, I, I goosebumps right now thinking about it because that's such a good story. Like it's like a sitcom. Uh. But back then they didn't have that. So we can bring it <laughs> to life now.
0: Oh, um, and talk about our people and nuestra, nuestra gente, right? Mm-hmm. Our people who can make something beautiful out of the scarce resources that they have. I think that's something I've right. always loved about yes. our community critical is thinking. Yes. yes, our creativity, our resourcefulness, our critical thinking, like you said, all of it came from a place of scarcity and survival. But what a gift mm-hmm. that we have, right, as the generations go on, that we can carry all of those things, creativity, Gratty resourcefulness, critical mm-hmm. thinking, entrepreneurship, right? Like, all of those things yes, that were yes. born from our our elders and the people that brought us here, like that's what I think about, right? That's what I that's what I love to own. And I love that you're over here telling their story, living their story, breathing their story, and almost bringing it to life with your with your stuff, right? With your projects, oh, novels, yeah. and I mean if crafts, you
1: you know, we repeat it, too, because my husband and I, when we first started and we didn't have a lot of money for supplies, but we needed to pay the art bill and we wanted to be full time working artists, we would get cardboard and we would cut it into rectangles and make Painted magnets, beautiful painted magnets, and then we would go sell them, it. and and we would tell people were like, "This is so cool! You painted this on cardboard. What a great way to recycle!" And we're like, "Yes, that is very important to us to save the <laughs> earth, and it didn't cost us any money to buy it." So that I think in this generation too, we use those same kind of
0: resources. Oh, my! I love that story so much. You're like, yeah, saving the earth and also saving our money yes, yes, exactly. Um, I want to talk about I love this story about about entrepreneurship, about how you were able to step away and do the work that you love full time I want to talk to, I want to talk to you about building your business. And that's actually, I remembered, I saw you on, we all grow Latinas or we all grow Amigas, something like that. Uh Yeah. I saw you doing Uh a workshop. So I think that's where we saw each other. Um, But I want to talk about, I think people see the end result, right? They see you on Instagram. You're, you're popping on Instagram, right? Have all these followers, so much engagement, so much love on the platform. And you're doing workshops, you're writing novels. I want to talk about the journey to get there because Mm -hmm. I think that's the part of the journey that is so super important for those who are wanting to start their business or invest more in their business or like me, whose goal is to do their business full time. Right. And so talk Mm -hmm. about that balance of working almost like profit versus passion and how you made your passion
1: make the profit. Yeah, Well, when I left the newspaper, I... My salary was not what I felt I deserved, but I knew it was an amazing job. So I settled and I stayed there. But something clicked in me where I thought, I have this Crafty Chica brand. It's popping. It's doing well. I went, first thing, seek out your resources. So I went to the epicenter of the crafts industry, which was their national trade show. And I worked my way in there. The first year I walked the show, I made little things to give to manufacturers of what my product line could look like and what I was about. And I had small, medium and large ones. The next year I was invited to speak at the event. I came prepared to land a deal. I came with the mindset that I was going to get my own product line or, or be represented by a company, you know, like the race car drivers with the right, their right. sponsors <laughs> on the car. This was 2007. It wasn't happening. There wasn't an influencer scene. It was just having to make it up as you go. And, you know, my favorite glue company, they reached out to me and said, we would like you to be our national spokesperson. We want to do a product line with you for Michael's. And I was terrified to leave my comfort zone of the newspaper. And it was scary because, you know, my family, they're like, oh, thank God she has like a steady job at the newspaper. But you know what I did? I made a crazy list that I gave to the vice president of the company. And it was so crazy because I thought part of it was out of fear like they will never say yes to this. This is too much. And then I can say it didn't work and I can stay at the paper, but at least I tried. Mm -hmm. Or they will say yes and it will catapult me to a whole new level. Well, they said yes. And it was amazing. As soon as that happened, I realized, oh my gosh, anything is possible if I put myself out there. And that's when Mm -hmm. I just started like Okay, I'm gonna write that novel. It took me like 24 revisions, so many rejections, but I ended up with the two book deal. It was amazing, and it, it just gave me the confidence to to try. However, there was still mindset work to do because I was still coming, going into it with the mindset of, "Wow, I'm so lucky to have this. Am I worthy of this?" I was just, um, mm-hmm. you know, again, even though it was more money, I was settling for it. However, down the road, I learned that if you have to, when you go to leave a job, many times you say, I need to make at least this much money to cover what my salary was. I learned that is not the correct way to do it. The correct mindset that worked for me was to say, I'm leaving this job so I can triple my income, so I can make as much, Mm. I have the freedom to spend the time to make as much money as I want to make. And just that little mindset shift changed everything. Because I went from saying, okay, this much a month to saying, okay, I want this month, this much a week or this much a month, Ooh, you know, yes. it just allowed me to, to build it the way that I wanted it doing the things that I'd love to do. And so now I have this system in place where, um, I have multiple revenue streams and again, I'm a hyper creative, but you can take this with your business and apply it. And I always tell people this, but what I look to for a model was I looked at Oprah's website, I looked at JLo's, I looked at Tyra's, and I said, and Martha's, and I said, how can I do my own crafty chica version of what they are doing? So breaking it down, they have product lines, they have a book. They have um, a TV show. They have these different branches. So I'm like, okay, let me set up my branches of those. And that's where it really got into play. And I've had Crafty Chica last year. I celebrated 20 years. And it is still thriving. I'm entering a new era now of licensing, of um, mm. designing wall calendars and journals and just all different things that I hadn't done before because I have the mindset that there's so much opportunity out there for everybody. So make a plan. So much. Choose one. You say you choose three things, give it a timeline, choose one break it down, work on it, find the epicenter of what that industry is to go in there, get your footing in there, get that rolling. And as you're building that, start to work on the next one. I always like to plan at least two years ahead. What am, what What does future Kathy want for me? What can I do right now that will help future Kathy? <laughs> and that helps a lot because one other tip that I learned is we're all into manifesting. Well, we also have to remember beyond the manifestation. What happens when you when your manifestation comes true? It's just there. And like saying, I want to write a novel. Well, okay. We wrote a novel. We published it. What do we want next? Like, okay, we want it to be a bestseller. We want to do other books off of it. We want it to be read by book clubs everywhere. We've, you know, you always have those extra plans in place beyond your manifestation goal. Oh, yes. That was I am all about. <laughs> I, I was just
0: nodding my head, snapping because the multiple revenue streams is so important. And I love that you're talking about it that is. in this space because. I didn't know that was an option. And I didn't even know my parents were doing that. When I think about my mother, I think about she was a seamstress. She was selling Mary mm-hmm. Kay. Shout out to Mary Kay. She was cleaning houses. Yes. She was doing multiple things. And I, and this is something right. I kind of switched for myself. I look at her now and I'm like, she was a total entrepreneur. She was my entrepreneur before yep. entrepreneur became cool, right? <laughs> and yes the multiple yeah. revenue streams she was doing that like she was all around that so i'm moved by what you're talking about and i love that we're this is this, the same generational joy and generational like wealth in in terms of knowledge right that our parents gave to us that our ancestors gave to us and i love that uh, i just love what you're doing love that you're talking about it in this space and hope everyone listening is ready to make their passion become something yes. profitable this show is brought to you by McDonald's. If y'all know me, you know I love me some potatoes in all forms, but especially fries. And you also know I love being a Thea more than anything else in this world. So when I think of McDonald's fries, I can't help but think of my nephews, Ezekiel, Gio, Emilio, and Elias, because they love McDonald's. And McDonald's has actually been at the core of our most cherished and common bonding moments. After their soccer practice, they'd come over, sweaty and hangry, We'd get them packed up in the car, go to McDonald's drive-thru, and order four kids' meals. They'd compare toys, and all I'd hear in the back is, Oh, man, you got the one I wanted. And they would, of course, start eating in the car because they can never wait till we get home. But the best part, in my opinion, is taking their fries and they're not looking because y'all know it's impossible to resist papitas, even when they're not yours. Whether I'm taking my nephews to McDonald's or I'm enjoying a breakfast platter with my viejos after an early church service, can't deny that it's been part of the familia. As my nephews would say, McDonald's, I'm loving it.
1: And it's it's so true. Many of our family members, our elders, they have multiple revenue streams. And now it's our job to, like they say, work smarter, not harder. And, you know, my parents... They were of the generation where money doesn't grow on trees. Like there was that scarcity mindset that, mm-hmm. you know, money is hard to get. And now um myself with my kids and my husband, we have the mindset of like, there's plenty. It's just energy. Like do what we love. Keep, you know have strategy behind it be confident in what you do put out quality that will help inspire people and it will come it's consistency you have to be consistent with it
0: that part and I love that you highlighted the consistency part because I think that's the first lesson I learned when doing my podcast right people are Mm -hmm. expecting it consistently and the thing that I love about brands including yours is the consistency of of what they're creating right Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you're promising your your audience something every time you do something that like for me I'm like I can't let myself or my people that are watching down right so you keep producing keep being consistent and you keep elevating right and being better and better and better Uh, I love that and I you talked a little bit about your parents and growing up in that that generation of scarcity I want to go back track a little bit and I want to know when was the moment for you when you decided that you wanted to do something in crafts or that you loved crafts like when was the talk about your childhood a little bit and what was that pivotal moment for you when you chose to to go into
1: that path well during childhood it was all writing it was writing short stories and um, feature articles on different celebrities around town for my high school newspaper. I That was my path, was to be a full-time writer. And then when I met my husband, I was also very creative, I heavy on the doodling, like I would always steal <laughs> the markers from the office cabinet. Uh, when my husband and I met, we would get together and I just bought a bunch of stuff at Michael's, and we would sit down and paint these little boxes and use paint pens and then I started gluing feathers and trim and adding glitter and I started making earrings out of watercolor paper and I took them into a store and the store owner bought them for well he put them on consignment and when I received that first check I was like oh my god that was the easiest money I've ever made because I (laughs) loved making these things um, mm-hmm. people get to wear them it makes them happy and I get paid for it so I'm like let's go buy all the watercolor paper like <laughs> that's what I was hooked and oh. I at the time we were just friends but I was the manager of his Chicano reggae band and as oh this as is first, your husband I would you were just friends my husband yes we were oh, okay, just friends okay. I was the manager of his band And during the gig, he would always see me dancing on the dance floor. And so one night, this is when I knew he had a crush on me. He said, (laughs) why don't you set up a table and sell your earrings? And I thought, that's a great idea. So I started making things to sell at the show. (laughs) So I, some nights I would take 10% of the shows that I booked because hello, entrepreneur, right? And this was in the late 80s. And then I would make, sometimes I'd make more money at my table than the whole band would make for the night. And my husband said that he thought, okay, that's a woman I should pay attention to. (laughs) And so we just ended up, yeah, it was like after we got married, he told me, I just did that because I was jealous, like seeing you dancing out there. And he goes, I thought, you know, I, I don't want her to find someone. Like, I have a crush oh. on her. And like, the truth comes out after we got married. <laughs> but oh, I'm like, well, it was that a is good so move cute. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I found my passion, but oh. that doing that era is really what transformed it. And then once we got married, we were like, okay, let's do this for a living. But like I said, we did not plan correctly. And this was now like in the early nineties and people would not pay their bill, even though we had Things in stores all over the country. We would have to wait for checks to come in, or, you know, we didn't have the internet to source items. It was such a nightmare. And we were getting orders for like dozens and dozens of items. And I always swore, like, when we stopped that when we said, okay, let me go find something at the paper. Like we don't want to do this um, production work anymore. I said, if I ever do this again, it's going to be as a licensed contractor where we work with a manufacturer to make our items and then that's what happened that I ended up you know now I work with all different manufacturers where I can turn in a sketch and a design a prototype and they'll make it for me I still make my handmade pieces that I sell through my online store but I also have items that are manufactured that you can buy in retail stores wow so it's the best of both worlds I, I love that. And I want to ask when
0: similar to when was that moment where you're like, I want to do crafts and I want to do this full time. I want to be, you know, doing my own business. When was the moment you felt like you made it? Like you're like, oh, this is exactly where I want to be. Like, when did you feel like in total alignment?
1: I feel like I had that several times. I mean, the the first time was when my items were chosen to be shown at the New York gift show. This is when we got those 300 accounts because at that time there were no uh Latino giftware items on the market there were um souvenir items or there was fine art but you could not find a t-shirt a loteria pillow a sticker a magnet nothing like that and so we filled that and there were some other artists around like in Texas and California there were maybe uh, just a handful. So all of us were just so busy keeping up with this demand. And this was when people did not know who Frida was. They didn't know what um, yeah. the, the the los Muertos was. Like we constantly had to explain to them. But I felt it then like we were on to something like people could, could see our culture through the things, having all of those orders in that high of a demand. And I think the second time was when I was a craft columnist for the paper and my craft column was syndicated out to 130 papers. And here was this Mexican-American lady showing craft products that were people in Kansas or Chicago were reading my craft column and making the crafts and writing me email saying how much they loved it and I would say okay I put the Virgin of Guadalupe on here but you can put whatever picture you want but here's the technique of how to do it that was another time where I thought okay this is something special and I think another time was seeing my end cap at Michael's I was in Michael's for eight years and that was um, such a, a an awesome experience they're a great company I still work with them now and and then just recently like being on HSN and and showing um my paper crafting line on HSN and and then going to my emails and people saying, Oh my God, I saw a Latina on HSN. I'm like, stop everything. Who is this person? So I love that it has the things that I do. It's not just Hispanic Heritage Month, like it's crossed over. Into all year round mainstream general market. So there's been mm. different points of alignment. Is I think as we evolve in our careers and our personal development, those goals shift, and it's it's neat to to feel that alignment in different ways at different spaces in in our the way we evolve.
0: Uh Oh, yes, girl, like all of it. I love the I love when our people are in alignment with their passion, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I love to see it's almost like you just love to see Latino joy, right? Like, it just it makes your day. It makes yes. It makes me want to show the whole world, which is why I love that you're on the podcast, show the whole world that it's possible to chase those dreams. And I love how you put it. You said you had a list of dreams and you decided to just go for it. And that's my takeaway right. from this conversation. And yes, there it's will
1: just... be rejections. You know, there's sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes they do. But you I always tell my kids, like, try all the things and take time. Know that you will have time to try all of the things. Cause I'm 57 years old right now. And when I look at my list of accomplishments, I'm like, wow, I've done all the things. I In high school, that little list I put together, I'm like, I've had plenty of time to do all of those things. So, you know, make that list and start working on them. Have uh, you fun. Are, and-
0: you are my inspiration. <laughs> let me just tell you, you are <laughs> such an inspiration. And I, I want to ask you so many more questions and I want to backtrack a little bit. I want to talk about the moment when you told your parents that you were going to do your... your your gig full-time because I remember and I'll tell you I'll tell you this quick story I remember um, leaving my job for you know to pursue my entrepreneurial efforts full-time it didn't last as long because I'm young and I'm like okay I need a job right now which I love the job that I'm in and I'm working again in alignment right with like my passion making some Mm -hmm. money still have my podcast and I remember that conversation I had with them and I was like I'm leaving my job, and they were like, "Gay, like you have it so good. You're having benefits. You're doing this. You're doing that." And there was a moment where I doubted my decision, and I was like feeling guilt. Feeling again, we come from a scarcity mindset, right? Like
1: there was mm-hmm. a little bit of
0: fear there, guilt, the todo. And then I had a moment where my dad and I had a really beautiful conversation where he was like, "You know." Your mom and I didn't have a choice in what we wanted to do. We just worked because we had to work and we had to, Mm -hmm. you know, put food on the table, pay for the home, all of that. He's like, we sacrificed so that you can have decisions and you can make decisions that you know work best for you. And he's like, if you're in a job that is not filling your cup, he's like, you're just perpetuating that system, right? Or that cycle of working jobs just to work them. And that changed my whole philosophy. And my dad is forever such a wise man in my life but that was the moment where I think it just shifted everything where even if I decide to do entrepreneurial efforts full-time or I decide to go back into the workforce I can have intention behind my decisions and not just yes. chase mm-hmm. a paycheck or chase this chase a title but really have intention and make sure that I'm living in alignment and then I'm living purposefully, right and My dad changed perspective for me. And so I'm curious for you, how was that moment for you when you were telling your parents about your decision? Was there fear there? Was there guilt? Was there like uh, anxiety? Like, what was that moment like?
1: I think like at that point, they knew I was already off the rails of what a traditional daughter, (laughs) what they expected. So I don't (laughs) think anything surprised them. I remember my mom, the first thing she said, are they going to pay you in glue? And I was like, no, (laughs) mom, it's an actual company. And my dad was like, I trust that, you know, you know, you're a businesswoman. Like, I've seen you excel in everything you do. So, yeah, we're there for you. But I'll tell you the flip side to that where I got tested was when my daughter, she was 16 and started making YouTube videos. And by the time she was 19, she said, mom, I want to work at Buzzfeed someday. I want to make a living making videos. And in my, in my son, he was like, I want to make a living doing video games. Cause they saw their parents. I'm a musician. Right. Honest, and in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, like is that, can they really, oh my, what did I create with these kids? I'm getting it back. And my daughter, she was, I think, twenty-one or twenty-two, and she had the offer to um, for a full-time job at ASU. School paid everything. The same time, she got an offer from BuzzFeed for to be a resident there to move to California for three months. She would have to turn down this job. Job security benefits, her college being paid for, for a three-month residency at BuzzFeed. And when she presented me with that, I had the biggest knot in my stomach because I knew now it was my turn to be tested. And of course, my parental brain was like, I wanted to say, Mija, take this job. When you're when you have your degree, you can go do BuzzFeed, you could do whatever, like it's gonna be paid for. However, my instinct and my soul told her, go after what you believe in. And I told her, let's get you a car. And my husband was like, let's find you a place to stay. Like I knew I had to honor her passion. And, um, so it was the flip. I had presented that to my parents and now it was being presented to me. my daughter and she went out there. Can you imagine sending your daughter out to LA all by herself? Like she had just barely had her driver's license. I found a friend who let her stay in her craft room until she could find another apartment to stay in, but she ended up working at Buzzfeed for five years and it launched her career. And my son, now he's a writer for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, He's a full-time gamer. He just did a Kickstarter on Saturday for a game he created. He funded it in under 12 hours, over $11,000. So these kids took what they saw me and my husband do, and they did it in their own way. And it was terrifying as a parent (laughs) to like practice what I preach, right? Right. But it made me feel it makes me feel proud that they have gone off to do these things. So, you know, and I know my both my parents have passed on, but I know they would be so proud. My mom never really understood what I did for a living. Like once I left the newspaper, she could not wrap her brain around how doing a craft project could be, you know, like but to buy a house or buy a new, she couldn't <laughs> translate that. My dad, he could, but he was like, she understands it's a whole new world. She embraces technology. But for me with my kids, I, you know, I know what was the right way. And my husband and I, we said, we have to let them do what they want to do just like we did to our parents. Right. Oh, there's
0: There's so many themes that I'm picking up on in this episode, in this conversation so far. And it's one, chase those dreams, right? And the chasing the Mm -hmm. dreams part to me is also in alignment with encouragement. It sounded like you had encouragement, whether it was from your Mm -hmm. friend, who's not your husband, (laughs) who said, set up a table Uh and sell those earrings, right? Like, just Mm -hmm. do it. Yes, And I think it, it's it's one thing to have the dreams and the hard work, but it's another thing to have your community and your people that you love pushing you out there as well. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a mix of everything that kind of equals success. Right. The other thing I see here is chase. You just like take the risk. Right. It's almost like be crazy a little bit. Think outside the box, dream big and yes. see what can happen. And strategize and love- it.
1: and strategize it
0: strategize it yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and I love yes and I love that you talked about your son and your daughter and how on the flip side you got it from them but how they almost Mm -hmm. you know like prophetic word right but they put it out there I want to be a gamer or I want to um, work for BuzzFeed and you said I want to do this full-time I want to write novels I want to be crappy chica your husband saying I want to be a musician I think it's almost, that's what manifesting is, right? But it's putting that work, putting the mm-hmm. strategy behind it. And almost, again, believing in believing yourself it. 10 yes. times harder than anyone yeah. else, which I mm-hmm. I love. I love all of this and the themes that we're exploring. And honestly, the other theme that I see is the representation, not just about being a Latina, a Latina woman that's doing these workshops, that's on these platforms where Latina women aren't typically in. But it's also the representation for your kids that you and your husband followed yes. your dreams so they can too. I think it's it's both of those. And so uh, I am just so full from this conversation, and I know we're we have five uh-huh. minutes left. <laughs> um, and I wanna I wanna ask you what, uh, two more questions before we end. One, thank you first of all for being here and for sharing your story, sharing your journey, and for the light that you brought today. I, I want people to support your business and to and to know more about who you are. So how can people connect with you? How can people buy those cute little earrings? I don't know if you're still doing watercolor earrings, oh. but I definitely <laughs> want to find those watercolor I ones. I should
1: do a new batch of them. Yes. <laughs> right. oh, I my, should do like do the anniversary?
0: <laughs> like the
1: anniversary collection? Yes, the anniversary Ooh. collection. Yes. Well, I like that. You can find me at my main site is craftychica.com. And But I'm more on social a lot, like on TikTok, at Crafty Chica. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I love social media, so I'm always posting things. Each one is a little bit different. I, I love to tell the behind the scenes. I love to share the fails as much as the successes, because the fails are what lead to the successes. And also putting it out there, people you know community comes together to say hey Kathy here's a way you should try this try this next time and or they'll say thank you for showing this i'm going to try that too so it's just a matter of of connecting with everyone and and just putting your real self out there of the good and the bad and the ugly cries and the wins all of it <laughs>
0: uh, all of it um and yes. the other thing i want to ask you Again, I am so in love with this conversation and the light that you're bringing. And I didn't bring any cafecito, but I brought some water. And I want to end this oh, beautiful conversation. Oh, good, <laughs> good. I want to wrap cheers. this conversation <laughs> and do a little brindis with our agua. Um, and I want you. Okay. I want to give you the space to say what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest for our Latino community.
1: Yes. So what I want to manifest. For our community, is for each person listening right now to identify what it is that they want to do. Where do they want to see themselves? What does it look like? And believe that they can get there. What are the steps they need to take to get there? What do they need to clear out of their schedule, out of their life to get there, to create that healthy space? And what do you want from it? Why do you want it? How will it make a difference in your life or in the world? What, what's your intention for it? Identify those things and make that list of the things you want to crazy goals, the, the pie in the sky goals that you have for yourself. And it doesn't mean you have to do them all right now. It could be 10 years from now, It could be 20 years from now, but put it down on paper Put it into your life's action plan because it's a big world. Yes, life is short, but the days are long. So let's fill them with things to to capture these experiences the best we can. Hold space and love and empathy for each other to be respectful to each other and lift each other up and have faith in ourselves and in others.
0: You are amazing. Everyone succeeds
1: in what they want to do. (laughs) i can can share this because i've had it i've had people pass it to me and i feel honored to pay it forward thank you so much
0: miss crappy chica i am so happy you are on this (laughs) podcast and thank you so much for sharing your story with us thank you for having me it's such an honor Y'all, I am pretty sure I left that conversation with Kathy with sore cheeks from smiling so hard and on the cloud nine from just hearing her story. And I hope y'all have the same reaction. But thank you so much for the love on this platform. Thank you so much for always tuning in and go show Kathy that same love and all the other female entrepreneurs that we have in this world and in this community. For those who wanna hear more about what's coming up next, follow Hello Latino Podcast. You can also follow me on my personal IG at ojasmin with four A's. And of course, find me on LinkedIn. I update those places often. And I have a new product coming out soon. So details will come in those platforms, but you can also follow my website, olalisjasmine.com, for any other information you may need. Pero con mucho amor, tu amiga Andreña, thank you all so much.